0: You're listening to Make Your Way, Season 3, Episode 8. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at KatieLinder.orgslash podcasts.
1: Hello, Sarah. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I am super excited to wrap up season three, a uh, final episode coming at you right now. <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> marketing, but I'm like shocked that we're like done recording yeah. season three.
2: How did that happen? I don't know.
1: We just have so sure. much fun. It
2: t- time flies, I guess. I don't time know.
1: does fly. Uh, but I am excited too, to let people know that we are going to be doing a between episode um after this season, to give kind of a launch update of how yep. things have gone with these particular products, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about marketing these products um, mm-hmm. because once they're created, then you have to tell people about them. Yep, uh, and that's a thing. So, Sarah, I'd love to start out just by hearing what does marketing mean to you? Like when you're mm-hmm. thinking about marketing, especially since you're this is your first product. You know, what are you thinking on the the marketing side?
2: Yeah. Uh... So when I think about marketing, my brain goes <laughs> because I I just uh it's a thing that is really hard for me, especially when I'm trying to market and talk about things that I've created. Um I don't know if it's this sense of like you shouldn't brag about the things that you do or whatever, but it is it is a constant struggle for me to figure out a way to authentically market my stuff. Um, And so marketing for me can mean a variety of different things. Uh, I think sometimes, I get into this idea about formal marketing, um which is just sort of a very regimented like advertising your product in a kind of, kind of traditional way. But then I have to kind of step back and think about, okay, but marketing can mean more than that. It can mean giving a presentation to a room full of people who you think might be interested in this product and talking about it openly and just kind of owning that you have this thing that you think that they might enjoy or this thing that they might um, like to, to take and continue their learning with or whatever. Um, and so for me, marketing takes on a variety of different meanings. Uh, and I'm, better at some kinds of marketing than others, which I think is probably true of everyone. But um, I think about social media, I think about one-on-one conversations, I think about sending emails to, uh, to colleagues and friends who might either think this product is cool or who might be willing to share it with their networks. Um, there are all of these different levels of marketing that uh, you know that you have to consider. I think one of my biggest challenges when, when thinking about marketing is that I get to the end of creating the product and then I'm like, okay, that's done. On to the next thing. And, and I have to really stop and take a step back and think, okay, no, <laughs> marketing is actually the next step of this product. Um, I can't just put it up and hope people will buy it. I do actually have to talk about it. And I have to talk about it in a way that feels authentic to me, but that will also, you know, sell products. So uh, that's been a real challenge for me. And I think there's just a lot of inner turmoil about how to go about that and what that looks like. So I tend to not do it especially well. Um, but that's something that I'm hoping to kind of uh, challenge a little bit with this uh, this product launch uh, and really push myself in ways that I haven't before. So we'll see how that goes.
1: So I have to say yes to all of that. Yes to the sound (laughs) that your brain makes. Yes to the um, not being sure you're doing it correctly or well. Um, And also yes to the when the product is out there, aren't people magically going to know about it? Like, why do I even need to talk about it? (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think about that. I've like the lesson that I learned about that came from book promotion. I mean, that's how I've really tried to frame this is like Mm -hmm. when the book is written, it's not done. Mm -hmm. You've got to talk about it. Like you have to help people know that it's out there. And so that's helped me a little bit with thinking about marketing, but I have said in other spaces, I feel like marketing is my kryptonite. Like it's just really challenging. And I've, I have pursued various little classes and things to try to help myself have a structure around it. And, and from a systems thinking perspective, try to think about what are the systems I can put in place to make it feel more natural. And that's been helpful to me to kind of think about it from that. Like, how do I calendar it? How do I, Um, think about the different platforms and like what's going to be best for each one. Like it, but it is hard. Yeah. It is hard. Agreed.
2: (laughs) It is not something that you can just kind of step into usually, unless you're a really good marketer, at which point, you know, more power to you. But, uh, that is not a skill set that I come to naturally.
1: Well, and I think this is why a lot of people try to outsource this because yeah. it's just it's really hard and it's hard to look at your own product and mm-hmm. think of like, what are people actually going to like about it? And mm-hmm. and again, you're like, you're so in it. You're like, well, isn't it obvious that this is an amazing product? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hello, come on. Hello. Um, yeah, but or, or it's you not conversely.
2: Yeah. Conversely, you might have some of the imposter syndrome situation too, where you're like, "I don't know, is this any good?" I uh, ah. right. Yeah. And then, how do you
1: talk about it? Right. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Like this is great. I think maybe you might, might be like it someday. Here you go. <laughs>
1: That's not gonna sell products. <laughs> Well, this is actually one of those areas that, that like of my writing life that I didn't realize how much writing went into marketing until mm-hmm. I started releasing products. And then it's yeah. like you have the web copy, you have the social media copy. If you make a brochure, there's copy in the brochure. There's maybe taglines that you're associated with the product. There's testimonials that you're trying to I mean, it's like the it's crazy. Like yeah. I just had no idea how much went into the writing around a product, not just yep. the product itself.
2: Yep. So so much.
1: There's a lot of layers.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm wondering for you, Katie, can you unpack a little bit for us what marketing a big product like what you're you're working on right now? What does that look like for you? What are the different steps or phases or, you know, aspects that go into that?
1: So it's interesting because before we hit record I was thinking about this current product and how I felt like I wasn't actively marketing it yet and then I started to write down what I was doing and I was like actually I I am like I'm like <laughs> accidentally marketing it without even realizing it. So I do feel like there there are stages and there is kind of the pre launch phase, where for me, a lot of that is more informal marketing on social, where I'm just sharing the process of creating the product. Mm-hmm. And that is the most natural part for me. That doesn't feel like marketing. That's just like, oh my gosh, I'm creating a new thing. Don't you want to watch? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, are, are you interested in the process? Because I love watching people create new things. Like, that's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite um, things that people do on social is show those like behind the scenes things when they're writing a book or they're creating something. Mm -hmm. So I'm drawn to that. So I just assume other people will be too. So I like to share my process. And that, I think, is a very helpful kind of like even pre-sale. And I did that with The Anatomy of a Book, which is a podcast I created about writing my third book. Um, I've done it on social with this particular product, just like sharing a lot of Instagram stories as I was working on the workbook and things like that. So I feel like one phase is kind of before you're actually launching, um, just like telling people it's coming. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I did kind of more formally, um, because I'm still technically pre-launch with this product, it will be launching in about a week, um, that I actually emailed a sneak peek to about 50 people that I thought that were in my network um, that I thought would be interested in the product or who would know other people who would be interested in the product. And at that point, I had designed the website, and that's what I gave them a sneak peek of. And so for me, the pre-launch is about sharing process, designing something on the web that you can Mm -hmm. point people to, whatever that might be. It could be a blog post or it doesn't matter, but something where people can go and find a little more information and then um, getting out a little bit of a more kind of formalized like sneak peek email so that people know it's coming. Um, Another couple things I did in this pre-launch period was I set up a newsletter for the course that people can sign up and learn kind of on a monthly basis what the different updates are with the course like what's going on with it and that is on the the website um which is if you want to check it out sodalbydesign.com. so if you want to go and see um what i've set up for that I also created a video trailer talking a little bit about what's in the course. So there's little pieces that I've kind of put together. Again, like once I say them out loud, I'm like, that's actually kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't. I'm not pushing it out right now on social, really. Um, there's some other people who are who know about it in from that like email campaign. Um, but it did get mentioned on my podcast already, um, just because I'm so deep into designing it that it it came up there. It has been mentioned in my monthly newsletter, which updates people on all the projects I'm working on. So that was like the first official place I released it and got some kind of pre-sale interest um, just from mentioning it there. So there's been a lot of just kind of like planting seeds and letting people know that it's coming out. But then so that's first phase. Phase two, I think, is the actual launch. So that is when you're maybe sending another email out, letting people know that it's actually available. You're maybe doing a little bit of a social campaign. Um, depending on what your goals are for a particular launch, you know, or if you have a launch window in which something is like closing at the end of the launch window, then, you know, you may have a different kind of marketing campaign than if you're just like doing a launch and then that thing is going to be available like forevermore. Um, so I've had experiences with both with the webinar series I did last year. I had a launch window that closed and it was about a six week period for this course, I'll probably do a couple weeks of a real push in terms of promotion when the course is live, and then I'll probably do another push, you know, in the fall. It may be kind of a quarterly thing that I work on, and that's going to involve a lot more kind of social media engagement in a in a more formal way, where there will be like social media art, and I'll have like pre-drafted some tweets and things like that to go out. And then I think there's a, there's the third window, which is basically the maintenance um, marketing. And that's thinking about, you know, a year from now, how are you going to be talking with people about this thing? You know, are you going to mention it when you go to conferences? Are you going to have any kind of print material that you give to people? Are you going to um, leverage the people who've gone through the course who might want to help spread the word for you if they've had a good experience through testimonials or something else? So I see it as like those three phases. There's the pre, Mm -hmm. the actual launch, and then the kind of maintenance plan for how do you plan to market it? And are there specific windows of time or events or things like that that you plan to be pushing out the product?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way of thinking about it. And you know, I think each of those phases can last as long or short as you think is important or necessary for the product that you're launching. Um, And I think for me, as I think about my product, like the launch is a really soft launch, like I'm kind of doing a little bit of all of these things during this launch period, um, and, and kind of experimenting a little bit. But a lot of it is about capacity too. I'll be honest about that, that um, I haven't had the capacity to go and do as much uh, as I have wanted to, uh, with respect to that. And so I'm, I'm thinking strategically now, even though it's post launch, you know, what are some of those things that I want to do, Um, some of those email campaigns and some of that kind of stuff uh, a little bit more concertedly as I move forward. And what does that look like? Even though, you know, I suppose technically I probably should have done it earlier. But um, for me, because this product is just going to kind of be there and percolate in the background, it's not as essential. Like there's not a time window where I have to get this, you know, this out or um, I have to advertise this. Like it's not like a sign up by this date kind of situation. Um, But Katie, I know you've had some of those things in the past. So how does that influence how you think about marketing
1: well i mean i think it's so i should say i th- i feel like it's a lot more stressful to do that because <laughs> when you have the window you're like oh god what if nobody buys this thing in the window i mean it's right. like definitely um you're you're giving people a sense of urgency and i see the purpose of it but it also kind of like just ratchets up the the stress level cuz you're like constantly checking your email to be like did anybody buy this thing like <laughs> i mean it's it's a thing um so i mean and and the window that I gave for the webinar series, and I'm going to do the same thing this year. So just because it's stressful doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. But I, I made the decision that I wanted to give people at least six weeks to make the decision about the webinar series, especially because I had institutional membership options, and you know how long it takes institutions to figure out their business in terms of programming, writing checks, getting things—you know, invoicing—like it just takes a while. Yep. So you you have to talk to the right stakeholders, you have to get permission. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can happen. And because I launched it in August, I knew a lot of people were out of the office, so I wanted to give kind of this longer window of about six weeks. And the cutoff point that I gave was basically a week before the webinar series started because that's when the automated email started going out. Ah. So I wanted people to have enough time to market within their institutions so that everybody who had signed up was going to have the time basically to get into this thing where they were going to know that the webinar was coming and, and stuff like that. Um, And, and so that was kind of a lot of what went into that marketing window decision. Um, This year, the presale for year two of that webinar series is actually open right now, I launched it at the end of year one. So I will probably be communicating with at least the people who were members this year, just to kind of um, Th- they should know. Basically, I've already kind of told them that the institutional members that this is happening and, and this is the time frame. But I'm not really going to start the big marketing push for that until um, probably August again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there. You can see the website. It's at howtoacademia.com if anybody's interested. Um, and the whole series for next year is kind of outlined. Um, but I'm also combining that particular marketing push with a marketing push that's going on with my book because my next book, which is related to the topics for next year is releasing in September of, mm. of 18. So I'm, I'm kind of doing a combined marketing push for that intentionally so that I cannot have like two competing marketing efforts going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I try to align that. Um, but I think for this particular course I'm releasing now, the idea is in some ways this summer was meant to be, I initially called it a pilot. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it wasn't a pilot, it was more of a soft launch. And the difference in my mind between the two is a pilot is when you're not sure about the product, and you mm-hmm. you think you might be augmenting it or making changes to it, like in a significant way. A soft launch is when you're just kind of like testing the waters a little bit in terms of seeing who might come into it, or, or you want to control the capacity of who is mm-hmm. in the course initially. And so it's not really a pilot because the course is the course. I mean, the the way that I've designed it, I feel very confident in the design. So I don't feel like it's a pilot anymore. So I'm doing more of a soft launch this summer. There's a couple of conferences this fall that I want to be talking with people about this face-to-face and making sure everybody knows about it. There's some listservs where I'm planning to share a little bit more information or, or maybe where other people would post um, information about this particular thing. So I don't have that kind of limited time window. It's really just... When you don't have a, a cutoff point, it's like, how long do you think your audience wants to hear about this thing before they're going to be like, really, can you talk about something else? Mm-hmm. And for me, yeah. I feel like that's about two weeks, like yeah. where I can do a, a series of posts with other things in between there as well. But I also, um, I mean, not to get too complicated. I mean, I feel like this, people who are listening to this are going to be like, you are insane. <laughs> but I, I have this summer virtual writing groups program starting in June, and I'm, I'm currently marketing that. And I don't want to be marketing multiple things at the same time. I don't want to confuse people. I I want to be very clear on like what the thing is I'm trying to sell at any given moment. And so right now, through like the very beginning of June, that's when I'm marketing that program. And then I'm going to stop marketing that program because that program is starting. Mm -hmm. And then I will shift to marketing Soto by Design. So part of having this multiple product line issue is you have to make sure that you're not marketing too many things at the same time and that you're, you're basically not launching too many things Mm -hmm. at the same time and it may not sound like a bad problem to have but you you need to be really careful with like how much you're pushing out on social so that you're not overwhelming your audience with like constantly trying to sell them things Mm -hmm. that's not good for anybody and it'll make you crazy because you have too many things you're trying to juggle so I mean there's a lot of thought I think for me that goes into that general kind of marketing calendar. And I have mapped it out. I mean, I, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who listens to this show. Like, I've, <laughs> I've looked at my timeline and said, in August, I know I'm always going to be marketing how-to academia. So I need to not be marketing other things during that time. Mm-hmm. And in May, at like end of April, beginning of May, I'm always going to be marketing the Summer Writing Groups program. So I don't really have a window to market anything there. And in you know this other time period, I'm going to be marketing this or that or the other thing. So you kind of block your calendar a little bit. And it also helps you to know maybe when you want to sunset a project or a product and replace it with something else, because you may literally run out of space in your marketing calendar yeah. of what you're marketing. If you have too many things that you're trying to juggle in terms of sales, um, it's a balance. It mm-hmm. is a real balancing act. Hmm. hmm.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that I have an intelligent question to follow that up with, but uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about the the planning that goes into marketing because, again, audience members who've listened to the show for a while will not be surprised at all to learn that mine is not that organized (laughs) and a little more haphazard uh, and depending Depending on what I'm working on at that particular moment, um, I think one of the things that I think about is if I'm giving a talk or something like that, then I might want to sprinkle some social media in about, you know, complimentary things, whether that's the product I'm selling or or other services or things that they might find interesting um, around that time window, because if people discover me or, you know, learn I have a Twitter at this talk, and they go and follow me there. I want the stuff that they're getting from me around that time to be relatively related. So sometimes I'll do some targeted um, pushes around around particular timeframes when I'm already talking about other things. But um, Katie, one of the things that that I know that you do as well, um, is is this idea of making sure that when you're giving a talk or presentation, or you're having conversations with people keeping the products to, fr- to the front of mind sort of idea, uh, making sure that you're talking about the things <laughs> that you're pushing right now, or the, the things that are related to the topic that you're talking about in a presentation or that sort of thing. I wonder, I'm curious if you found um, kind of creative ways to weave that in, um, or whether it's simply a, you know, at the end of the presentation, you say, and also, if you want more, I have this thing. Um, so I'm curious if you have thoughts on that.
1: So, I mean, this kind of goes back to the funnel idea that we talked about in the last episode, which is it's actually better for me if somebody just joins my newsletter Ah. because they're going to hear about it there. And if they're interested in any way, shape or form in the work that I do and or listen to my podcast, like either one, like if they any of my free products, basically, they're going to start to hear about the kinds of things that I'm working on. And my hope is that they're going to hear about it in a way that feels natural. And, and some people have actually said this. Like, I've heard this from some of my clients where they've said, you sound so natural when you talk about these things on your show. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm going for. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be like, you know, gross salesperson with these right. products. And I think that the other thing that's been useful to think about with that funnel idea is I ramped up that funnel of like free ways to talk about stuff for like the entire first year of my business when I wasn't selling products. Mm -hmm. Like I got my newsletter going consistently. I got the podcast stuff going consistently. I started to create these avenues where I knew I was going to eventually want to talk about stuff, but I wasn't quite ready to do it yet. And so I feel like I don't give enough talks, really, like in a face-to-face way. And especially because I give so many talks on behalf of my day job where I cannot talk about my side business. Mm -hmm. It's more important that I can talk to people through these other avenues, like my newsletter or my podcast. So that's really where I'm driving people to. And it just happens to be that those things are free. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that funnel is working and people are starting to kind of hear about things. But I also think that you just want to be... I mean, like... I feel like I'm juggling so many products and services at this point that I just want to draw people to me in a more general way. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know what they need that I offer in all likelihood. I mean, it it could be something, it could be nothing. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know kind of what they're looking for. And like just the other day, I can give a really concrete example of this. So I went to a campus, gave a talk and as part of my package with them, I did some coaching with um, faculty on their campus around writing. And I met with this one person We kind of got his stuff lined out for the next year. He's working on a book. And um, he was like, this is so great. Thank you so much. It was like 30 minutes, and we're done. Well, he followed up with me afterward in an email and said, my wife is finishing her dissertation. Can she talk with you? And and maybe we'd like to engage you as a coach. Cool. And I was like, "Okay, great. I mean, like, it wasn't even for this person. It was for someone else that he knew that Mm -hmm. thought, you know, they could benefit from my services. Like, you just don't ever know. So, I mean, I think that when it comes to those kinds of, like, live events and sharing about my work, um, I would prefer to just, like, point people to my professional website or Mm. tell people that I'm, like, producing these other things if they want to hear more from me about the kinds of things that we talked about that day. And then they're going to be able to learn more and see if they want to work with me. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's like you've talked about in many previous podcasts, this idea of relationship building, it's not for me about direct selling. I really only direct sell in one um, place and that's my monthly newsletter. And even in that monthly newsletter, you're also getting all my podcasts I released that last month, all of my blog posts. Like it's a, it's basically a compilation of what I've been working on in the past month and what I've released. And usually that's where I'll say I've released a new product. Like that's Mm -hmm. where you're going to get like the direct sell. Um, But it's not even that direct. I mean, it's just like, hey, I've done this thing. Like Mm -hmm. click here if you want to learn more. It's not like filled with pressure, you know, like, and it's in the midst of a lot of other things that I'm talking about. So um, I don't know, like, I feel like in the beginning, I felt a lot more desperate <laughs> about selling <laughs> and, like, really getting things in front of people. And now I'm just, like, I have enough of a constellation of products that I'm just, like, well, come find what you need. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just trying to organize it on my website in a way that makes sense that people can, like, come and see what they need. And, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've pulled back. And maybe this is why I'm not very good at this is I just I feel like you have to be natural about it. And that means not being as organized as I probably could be around like constantly marketing something. I don't know. I just, I, that's not, it doesn't work for me to do right. it that way. Yeah.
2: Well, and you have to find your own voice in, in marketing too. I think that's the other thing that, that sometimes gets lost when you're looking at, you know, all of these books and resources and things that exist in the world about how to market yourself and how to sell your products. Like, at the end of the day, it needs to feel natural. And it needs to feel natural, not only to the people you're talking to, but also to you. Otherwise, you won't do it. (laughs) So um, I think I think your point is well taken that like, if it doesn't work for you to, you know, push it in a particular way, then don't do it that way. Right? Find find a different way.
1: Right? Well, I mean, I've talked with some people who've approached me and been like, I don't really want to be on social media. And I'm like, then don't be on social media. I mean, like, don't find another way to do it. But so I'm really curious to hear from you, Sarah, because I feel like one of the marketing pieces of advice that people often get is people need to hear about a product multiple times in multiple ways before they're mm-hmm. going to like click to even learn more about it, let alone buy it. You know, like they right. they they need to kind of have it in their orbit. Um, mm-hmm. So what are the different kinds of ways you're putting information out just to make people aware? Like you yeah. may not even have that call to action to buy it. You're just trying to help people understand that it's there so that whenever they might need it in the future, they can come find it.
2: Yeah. So I think like you, I have a couple of different uh, avenues that are, that are pretty similar. So um, I have a, a, an email list um, that's kind of specifically targeted around the topics of the toolkit itself. Um, and that is a free you know, free tip of the month. Uh, so you know, free strategy that, um, that we like, that uh, we want to share with people who are working with with little kids um, who are struggling with stress and trauma. And then we also in that, you know, share maybe a portion of the toolkit or a a small snippet from it as sort of a like, hey, you can get more information here. So that's a pretty targeted um, approach. I also have a monthly kind of update ish newsletter. It's not really monthly, it's it's been more quarterly lately, which is fine. Um, And that shares. The variety of things that I'm doing. So things like academic gig and things like, you know, new videos on my channel and, and those sorts of things, but also would share something like this toolkit. Um, and then I talk about it on social. So I am primarily on Twitter, I don't use I don't have a Facebook presence professionally. Um, I don't have an Instagram, I've kind of put I put most of my eggs in the Twitter basket, mostly because I just find that to be the the place where I can be kind of most authentic in that professional space that I want to be. Um, I do also have a LinkedIn, but I don't really use LinkedIn. I know I should, but I don't use it as much as I probably should. So, um, so I have a few of those social social avenues as well. Um, and then beyond that, it's a lot of you know talking to people about it. And this is something I'm not always good at because. As we said at the beginning, like shouldn't people just know I did this thing? Like I feel like I've been talking about it all the time, but really I haven't, and at least not in any um, in any way that was more direct at at uh, toward colleagues and things that and people who might be interested in it, who I have met before or who I know or who I work with, and um, you know that's the one that always feels weird to me because it that one feels like oh you know, you're a person in a position of of some leadership in this field. Here is this thing that I made. Uh, Won't you help me sell it? You know, that's how it always feels to me. But really, uh, you know, sometimes I have to kind of shift my framing and think like, no, like people who care about this field and who care about this work want to see other good work that's happening in this area and want to share that. And so... Um, you know, figuring out ways to kind of authentically reach out to those colleagues and just say, "Hey, I did this thing. You know, I, I think your your people might find it useful. Like, please share if you're if you're interested. Uh, if not, totally cool. <laughs> you know, see you next time at our next meeting or whatever it is." Um, so again, it's that relationship piece and and kind of leveraging those those real relationships um, in ways that are strategic, but also don't feel icky. I don't know. There's a balance there somewhere, <laughs> and I, I sometimes. Uh, I think, default to not talking about things uh, for fear of sort of alienating people um, and talking about them too much. But I also know that that's probably not a thing if I never talk about them. So um, that's a that's a challenge that I'm kind of working through um, personally, just in, in terms of thinking about how to market the things that I do, um, you know, more, more authentically, but also more concertedly uh, to make sure that the word gets out to the people who, frankly, should know about it. So... Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. Well, and I think part of the I mean, for people who are like, I don't know how to do this in an authentic way, um, which it's never going to it's in a, for a long time, it will not feel authentic, <laughs> I mean, like, if ever, like, so yeah, that's yeah. important to know. But I do think that just having excitement about a thing. Mm-hmm. is a sales strategy i mean yep. like when i especially with the pre-sale i wasn't actively thinking like let me pre-sale market this Sodal by design by showing my excitement on social media like mm-hmm. i wasn't always doing that but i think that it does work in that way when i'm genuinely excited about the thing yep. that i'm creating like i think it's cool i think it's going to fill a need like i am enjoying working on it you're seeing me having fun like yep. creating this thing that is attractive to people. I mean, I, I'm attracted to that. I think other people are attracted to that. So at the very least, I mean, if you if you're not sure how to be authentic, just be excited. Yep. I mean, I think yep. that that's enough in some ways. And And when you're passionate about your particular topic, not even your product, but the the topic around which you've created your product, people are drawn to that.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's really true. And one of the other ways that I'll sometimes talk about the things that I'm working on is, of course, on my YouTube channel, and I'll occasionally do some update videos over there where I'm like, "Hey guys, I haven't been around here very much, but here's all the cool stuff I'm doing." And some of that enthusiasm is a lot easier to convey um, in that in that video medium than it is sometimes in in text via you know emails or even even on Twitter. And so I like having that other medium to play with a, a little bit as well, um, and not so much in creating like product trailer videos or advertising videos or anything like that but just sort of a genuine sharing with my audience on youtube like hey here's the things i'm up to i thought you might think they're cool because i think they're cool um and that sort of that sort of framing works works pretty well for me over there
1: yeah i mean i think having some kind of regular blog podcast video channel whatever is the medium that you prefer where you can talk about this stuff. I mean, like, and that was why I created my newsletter, which is basically my blog, um, where I just put out a weekly post. And those weekly posts are like literally about what's going on with me at any given Mm -hmm. time. So if I'm like neck deep into video editing, you're probably going to hear about it. And if I'm talking about that, you're probably going to hear about what is the, thing that i'm editing videos for like it doesn't it's just linking to it once you know it's for people who might be interested and also i think it's funny that if you don't link to it people will email and be like what are you talking about (laughs) like i mean so it's it's also just like making sure that people can find the things that you're doing that you're mentioning like it just makes sense to to be linking out to that stuff but Yeah. yeah
2: Well, and I'm also interested to, you know, you talk about talking about the stuff you're making um, on podcasts or on, on your blog and that sort of thing. I'm really curious how this season of academic gig might affect both of our sales, because we've spent the whole season talking about building this thing and giving people a, a sort of window into the behind the scenes of, of how we've been thinking about um, developing our products and selling our products and all of that. So I'm I'm really curious to see if like, just because we've been talking about them so much on this season, if people are interested enough to kind of poke around and maybe even buy. So (laughs) even this podcast in and of itself is a marketing strategy. Right. I I mean, in a
1: meta way. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't think either of us like really planned it that way, but it was, you know, I don't think that a lot of people listening to this are necessarily like early childhood, you know, or whatever. I mean, like, or, or there may be some faculty developers listening to this, but I mean, I think that part of it too is just, you and I both, I think, have a passion for talking about process. You right, know, like right. I, that's obvious. And when you can talk about process, it becomes an authentic way mm-hmm. of marketing your work and sharing the kinds of things you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, I have another question for you about, and, and you may not have considered this yet because your product has launched only very recently, but would you consider as a marketing tactic doing like a sale on the product? like at Uh, a certain point or on an anniversary of when you launched it or whatever, you know, like what, what are your thoughts on like discounted pricing as a marketing strategy?
2: Yeah. I think that that's, that's a totally reasonable strategy. I haven't used it yet. Um, But I think Tracy and I both like kind of just depending on our speaking schedules, we might have some really good opportunities to uh, have a captive audience and say like hey we did this thing this is what it's normally priced at because you're in attendance here today you know here's this discount code that you can use for the next 2 weeks or whatever and get you know a, a percentage off the the price or something like that so i i definitely have thought about it i haven't thought about it in any like planful way yet but i could see how it would be really useful especially in those periods um where Tracy and i are are very busy giving lots of talks so there are there are periods in um, in this field, uh, that are really busy. So there are those sort of professional development peaks, um, when people are doing a lot of professional development kinds of trainings and things, conferences and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I, I think about like the last couple weeks in August when a lot of teachers are going back and doing in-service things. Like I have three talks in two weeks <laughs> during that, that window of, of a really, you know, big, big time for speaking. And so during that two week window might be a great time to do a sale. Um, to try to get some more interest and get people kind of in the door uh, in, a, in a more concerted way. So I, I have definitely thought about it. Um, but n- I haven't planned that yet. So I think I think we're still in a little bit of the wait and see pattern. Um, but yes, that's a that's a great idea. And something I think is, is definitely in the future for me. Um, what about you, Katie? I know you've done this a couple of times used some discount codes and that sort of thing. But how do you use that? And how do you communicate about that?
1: So this is an area where I feel like people are like, They have opinions about this, (laughs) like in the online entrepreneurial world, like some people are like, I never discount anything. It lessens my value. I mean, like it's a it is a thing. And other Mm -hmm. people are like, nope, I totally do it to to just kind of draw people in like you've described. Um, So I have like experimented with this and I feel like I've kind of gone to both sides of the spectrum of like, I'm going to discount it. I'm not going to discount it. Typically, I'll run a kind of sale, I guess you could call it in the summer in July, because that's when I mark kind of the anniversary of really launching into my business, even though I didn't do my LLC until the following fall. Um, But July was when I like launched my newsletter, redesigned my website in that um, iteration that was like many website iterations ago. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) When I did my podcast launch for um, You've Got This, I mean, like a lot of that happened um, July 4th weekend. And so I will typically do something in July just to kind of like, and it's mostly for my newsletter. I'm not pushing it out in like any other way. Um, So sometimes I'll do that for the first year of how to academia, I was offering pretty significant discount codes of 20%, even for the institutional memberships, because I had no idea what I was doing. And I (laughs) was like, is this thing even going to sell? And, I mean, I wouldn't say I had no idea what I was doing. I just wasn't sure how it would sell. And so I was trying to kind of really incentivize people to come in because a webinar series is really hard when nobody shows up. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was the thing. And I was, you know, really trying to push it out into the world and and get people engaged in it. Um, This year, I'm still deciding about that. I'm leaning toward not doing discount codes this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And in part because I'm really only selling the webinar series in two ways. Last year, I had the institutional membership the, uh, series membership for an individual and individual sales of webinars. This year, I'm only doing institutional and series memberships because the webinars are connected and they kind of build on each other. So you cannot buy them individually. And, um, I do I guess I just don't know that I, I need the discounts. Like, I, I mean, I feel like I, I have gotten enough word out about this. I think that the people who were in it last year saw the value in terms of like the institutional members, um, and there was a lot of engagement for each of the institutions. I mean, like there were dozens and dozens of faculty who signed up. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i still kind of deciding. And it may be that I do kind of a, this is the other way to think about kind of that launch window is like the week before, you know, like you send out a code and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, like this is closing in a week or this is the deadline or whatever it might be. Um, but actually the one thing I haven't mentioned, which is kind of my little um, gimmick, this year, it's, I don't know, I guess it's a gimmick, is um, if you buy the series, I'm sending you a copy of my book. And oh, if nice. you buy the institutional membership, I'm sending you 10 copies of my book. So you can have like a reading group. So that's the other reason I kind of chose not to discount it, because I have to buy these books and send them out to people. And that's kind of, in some ways, my discount is I'm, yeah. I'm giving you kind of these complimentary products. Um, but I feel like the book is really well aligned with the topics for this next year, which are all around professional identity. So um And my book is on managing professional identity online. So I think that that's the other piece you can think about is not necessarily discounts, but are there other kinds of value-added things that you might want to put into a product that still give you revenue? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's actually cheaper for me to send out these books than it would be for me to give a 20% discount. Right. Um, So yeah, there's those things to consider as well.
2: Well, I think you highlight the advantage of having multiple products to work with too, because you can, you know, when you launch a new thing, you can say, you can maybe say, "Okay, I'm going to give you a discount or a free copy of something that I made a year ago that's not making me a ton of money right now, and I'm not necessarily expecting it to be a big revenue push, but um, might be in a product that's complementary to the thing that you're buying right now."
1: Um, exactly. So it adds
2: that value add to it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, and that's basically what I did with the writing groups that I just launched. Is I'm giving them the master course of the webinar series from last year on writing a publication. Ah. So you're getting the group coaching, the private coaching, the, the course as well. So, I mean, yes, absolutely. The thing though that I think when you're thinking about marketing that I think you have to be careful with is I always err on the side of, I think I give too much away. Mm. Like I'm, because I have these products, I'm like, sure, I'll throw in this, that, and the other thing. Like, I mean, I thought about like, should I give new institutional members automatic access to the master course from last year? Mm. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know that I should do that. You know, like right. that's I that's maybe too much of a or maybe that's something I need to do, like in the last week or whatever, like, I don't know, or, or a discount for that or something. But sometimes I think you can go overboard with your marketing and put in too much value that people don't really need. Right. You know, right. like, I mean, and even if it's like you you're giving away like a 30 minute session with you or something like that, like, do you really need to put that in there? Right. I mean, that would be the question I would ask. And and last year for the webinar series, every institutional member got a 45-minute session with me, like a private session. I didn't do that this year. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. You know, like, I, I just decided not to include that. So I think marketing also is more, it's about talking about the value of the product um, and, and maybe offering some of these other things as well. But I do think you have to be careful not to go overboard. Agreed. Agreed. Mhm. Well, I think we've
2: we've covered a lot here. Are there other things you wanted to to highlight um as we wrap up the the last episode of season 3. Oh my goodness, still can't believe that.
1: Um I mean, I I think just maybe like one more thing, which is you want to think about how word will spread about your product mm-hmm. and what you need to create in order to help that. And mm-hmm. it sometimes is not sometimes it goes beyond digital products. Right. So for example, I created a printable brochure for this ah. this new course that I've created. It's the first time I've done that. But I felt like if you're going to buy an institutional membership, you might want to, like, show something to, like, your provost. Yep. And they yep. might want to see something more than a website.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, like, I, I created something with the idea of I think there might be things that people need with this. Mm-hmm. What might they be And how can I like in advance have it ready for them so that on the fly, I'm not like creating stuff, um, in the middle of the launch. So thinking ahead about that and just, you know, what is it that people might want to do? I have that brochure downloadable from the website. I also have it as a PDF that I sent out in kind of that pre-sale, um, letting people know that the course was coming, um. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I would think about too, is sometimes it's a print, it's a business card, it's a sticker, it's, you know, something that's not just a website or a social media mm-hmm. art piece. But is that is that something you've thought about for you? Because you're doing so much, like, in person speaking?
2: Oh, a little bit. Um, so usually what I will do when I, when I go and give a talk is I will have um, a one-page flyer that is... Um, links to some related resources, as well as a link to a folder that, a Google shared folder that has like all of the slides from that day and all of the other, you know, resources and things I think people might find interesting or useful. And on that sheet, I will usually have, Either all of the like contact information for me, or we'll have. I've started now having um, one that that has a little bit of a more concerted push for this toolkit. So you know, for related strategies and other information about how to work with with young children. Check out our resilience toolkit at blah, 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 blah. So people are walking away um, from all of my talks with a sort of marketing handout (laughs) that goes, that they can just take with them. Um, So I have done that. Um, I've thought a little bit about doing more specific like brochures and things. I haven't done that yet. Um, But again, I think that would depend a little bit on the audience and a little bit on, um, whether or not I think that would be valuable for, for the particular audience I'm targeting here. And Mm -hmm. I haven't decided about that yet. So, um, but yeah, I do definitely have at least a sort of very simple one page marketing flyer that, that goes to all of, uh, all of the people who, who see me present.
1: Okay. So I do have one more question I've realized. Would you ever consider marketing as a vendor at a conference?
2: At this point, no, mostly because I don't have enough to sell, really, Uh, in the future, potentially. I mean, if there are other products and things that I I come up with and that I think might uh, might do well at a conference like that. Um, Again, I think it depends on the audience and on the conference um, to some degree. So there are a lot of conferences in this sort of early childhood professional development world uh, that are less... um, because they're so education based, it's less about sales, I guess. Uh, and so trying to sell a thing at a conference like that probably wouldn't work as well, but some other ones where, you know, you have book vendors and some of those other, uh, you know, other people who are actually selling things, whether it's, you know, you have some jewelry sales people come in and do that or children's products or that sort of thing, then that might be a a better kind of venue for that. So I think it really depends. And and I'd have to do some research on which conferences would be the best for that kind of sales. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have not, I have not to this point and don't have any designs on doing that, at least in the immediate future, um, but is is a thing that I would consider uh, down the line. Um, have you done that? I forget if whether you've done that or not.
1: I have not, uh, not in a formal way. I did consider it for something this summer and tried to kind of work out a deal with the conference sponsor and it, or with the conference organizer, and it didn't work in the way that I wanted, so I decided not to do it. Um, but I think that I actually was just talking with another entrepreneur about this last week who does this, and it works super well for her. Like. Mm. Super well. She's been doing it for years. She's got really great relationships with different conference organizers, and it ends up she has a physical product to sell, and she also ends up getting a lot of leads on speaking engagements mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from it as well. So, I and I I have a couple people I know who kind of dip their toes in these waters. So I've just been kind of like waiting to hear more about their experience with it. I'm not sure I'm ready to do it yet, and in part it's a challenge for me because I often rep my day job at these conferences Ah, so it's just not an option for me to go there and not do that Um, but I did talk with my business partner slash life partner about maybe him coming to one of these conferences at some point and being at a table while I'm like off doing whatever like what I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing and he was like I am super uncomfortable with that like do not I do not (laughs) want to do that and and in part because I know the products better than he does and so Mm -hmm. Um, so we've talked about it, but it's not I, – I mean, I can't – the main conference that I would do this for, I'm currently on their board, which mm. is obviously a conflict of interest. So um, it. it's just – I mean, I, it would probably be several years before I'd be able to explore it. But I don't know. I think that it's something just for the sake of our listeners to kind of hear the range of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do it, and they. they have awesome results. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's just another – potential tactic to kind of put in your, your range of possibilities.
2: Yeah. I, I'm also really just bad at conference tables like that. So I've done that for, for previous jobs where I've been, you know, at the exhibit hall table and I'm just, I'm not good at the like, engaged person stranger who walks up and who's looking at stuff like hi how's it what's up with you uh so i feel like it would actually maybe not hurt sales but it would not really help them probably (laughs) so i'm just like not not naturally good at that sort of interaction so if i were going to do that i would you know maybe hire out hire a friend maybe you need to
1: practice a little bit in front of the mirror (laughs) for that one
2: (laughs) exactly figure out what my spiel is but yeah. So uh, yeah, but it's a great point that there, there are different ways to market and, and finding that sweet spot of the things that push you outside your comfort zone a little bit, but uh, also might get you some, some decent results is a is a great tactic for moving forward, I think.
1: Well, and I've definitely found that the things that used to make me super uncomfortable are a little bit more comfortable now. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know that I would say I'm like, you know, as comfortable as I could be um it's not like the discomfort totally goes away but um I definitely feel the more practice you have like with many things the better it gets Agreed. Agreed.
2: Well, are there any resources to share on this episode, or are we wrapping up and asking our uh, audience for resources and other ideas for questions and things they want us to cover that we didn't cover in this comprehensive season?
1: Right. Well, I've, the one um, resource that I would offer is one that I've used myself and have found it to be helpful, and that is some of Tara Gentili's courses on Creative Live, which we can link to in the show notes where she talks about kind of creating a comprehensive marketing plan that uses those three stages I talked about, like how do you kind of warm people up to the idea that something's coming? How do you actually launch it? And then how do you kind of follow up with them and keep that relationship going after the launch has happened? Um, And she also talks about, which I think we kind of forget sometimes, that when your people have bought the product, that it's not like that's the end of the relationship. Like right. you should still be kind of engaging with them so that they have good word of mouth things to say about the product so that maybe you follow up around for a testimonial or something like that. So there's also kind of thinking about the full cycle of what does it mean to engage with a client that I think she discusses in really interesting ways. So she actually has several classes on on marketing in, in different capacities on Creative Live um, that we can link to that if you're just getting started and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, Um, that's one that I've frequently recommended to people who are trying to figure things out. So
0: great. Great.
1: That would be my resource. But of course I would love to hear from listeners if you've got other things that obviously Sarah and I are very open to learning more in this particular (laughs) area.
2: Yes, definitely. Well, and also I'd love to hear questions. What didn't we cover this season that you would have liked to have known more about, um, with respect to building our products, um, I think, you know, we're we're always open to, to those kinds of questions and, and want to know what you listeners want to know about uh, about the process. It's been fun talking about it. So I hope that you have gotten something good out of uh, listening to this season of Academic Geek. But if nothing else, we've had fun talking about it, huh, Katie?
1: We have. Um, keep an eye out after this season for our Between a Sewed, where Sarah and I are going to update on the launches of our products and how everything went. And also keep an eye out for season four. So, um, Sarah, until our between yeah, good talking it's with been you. Fun. It has been Yay, fun. season three. Yay for building <laughs> things.
2: <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, we will talk to you all later.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at slash podcasts. Make Your Way as part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinderwork podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.